He is risen. He is risen. Thank you. Thank you, Esperanza, for sharing and being so uh, transparent. You never know what someone has been through. Sometimes the grace of God covers it up so much that you are shocked to hear the darkness from which Jesus has lifted up out of, us out of. Someone shout amen. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13. Luke chapter 24, verses 13. And we do have a word that I want to encourage you with and seek to strengthen your faith with. And I want to remind us that the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest comeback in history. I want to remind us the resurrection of Jesus from the grave via the cross is the greatest comeback in history. They thought Jesus was defeated on the cross. They thought Jesus was conquered by death. And even the disciples were shattered by seeing Jesus crucified. Even the disciples dispersed and their hopes were shattered. Their faith was shattered. Their dreams were shattered. Even the, the apostles retreated in fear and doubt and disbelief. But oh, on the third day, there was a grumbling in hell. On the third day, there was a sign of panic in the grave because on the third day, our Lord Jesus rose from the grave with all power in his hands. And our Lord, he rose from the grave and broke the back of the power of Satan. And his testimony is found in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Listen to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and hell. Listen to the testimony of the Lord. He said, I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forevermore. How many know that's comeback power? That's comeback power right there. Jesus is our comeback king. And no matter how bad your situation looks like, there is a comeback in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how bad your situation feels, there is a comeback in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe your marriage needs a comeback. Maybe your faith needs a comeback. Maybe your dreams needs a comeback. There is resurrection power that can give you a comeback in life. Someone shout amen. The Bible is the blueprint for our comeback. The Bible is full of people, both men and women, who experience the miracle of a comeback. When I think of that, I think of Moses. Someone say Moses. Moses fell to anger. He fell to murder. He was sentenced to 40 years on the backside of the desert. Yet by the power of God, he came back and led his people out of Egyptian slavery. When it was all said, Moses had the testimony of being the humblest person on earth. If Moses can come back from fits of anger, you can come back too. When I think of a comeback, I think of David. That brother fell to lust and adultery, yet God had mercy on him and still used him to build his kingdom. And when it was all said and done, David had the testimony that he was a man after God's own heart. If David can come back from sin, you can come back too. When I think of a comeback, I think of that sister, the lady at the well. She had five husbands and one Sancho. 
She was disliked by everybody so much. She didn't go to the well in the early morning like everybody did, but she went in the afternoon all by herself because no one liked her, but Jesus was there waiting for her, and our Lord Jesus Christ gave that sister a comeback and ended up using her life to bring other people into the kingdom of God. If she can come back from five husbands and one Sancho, you can come back from whatever it is you're dealing with. As we look to Luke chapter 24 this morning, Luke chapter 24, verse 13, it picks up on the first resurrection morning. This is the first Easter morning. And I want us to zero in this morning on two disciples that are discouraged and they're walking away from Jerusalem. These two disciples are so discouraged that they can't even recognize the presence of Jesus right next to them. Their faith is shattered. Their hopes are shattered. Their dreams are shattered. And I want us to look at their testimony and, and learn how they experienced a comeback in life. Or I should say, how do we experience a comeback in life. We're going to learn some lessons from their life. And I'm going to read Luke 24, verse 13 through 35. When everybody's there, say amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Someone say Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Notice that something was in their life that was blocking their blessing. It was blocking their ability to recognize the presence of God in their life. Look at verse 17. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked them, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day. Someone say third day. It is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Look at verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them uh, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Look at verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. 
Notice their comeback. Notice their comeback. They got up. Someone say, get up. They got up and returned. Someone say, returned. Returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. It is true. The Lord has risen. He has risen. Someone say he has risen indeed. He has risen. He has risen indeed. I want to talk to you this morning and encourage your faith on how to position your life for a comeback in this next season that you're about to enter in. Some of you have come to the house of the Lord today and there's something that is broken in your life. Maybe there's something that is deteriorating. Maybe your faith is deteriorating. Maybe your spirituality has gone low. Maybe your passion for God has left you. And maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're like these two disciples who have their face uh, cast down and you need a comeback in life. I want to encourage you this morning as we look at the scripture, how do we position our lives for a comeback. Are you following along? The first thing that we learn uh, from this story uh, is that we need to learn to wait on God. Learn to wait on God. I want to remind us that Jesus taught his disciples over and over that he would suffer, that he would die, and that on the third day he would be raised again to life. He taught his disciples openly, over and over, that he was going to be in the grave for three days, but on the third day he would be raised to life. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So notice, Jesus taught his disciples that he would be in the grave for three days. That's not the only place. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again, get this, the third day. Someone say the third day. Jesus taught about the third day. He taught that it was going to take some time for him to rise from the grave. The problem with these two brothers in Luke is that they couldn't wait on God. They couldn't wait. They gave up because they couldn't wait for God to do his thing. And you know what's really sad about this particular experience is that they gave up on the very last day. Think about this. The third day, they give up, and on the third day, Jesus rises from the grave. So as they're giving up, as they're throwing in the towel, they don't realize, but the promise of the Messiah is being fulfilled, and Jesus is rising from the grave. They walk away from Jesus on the same day he rises from the grave. If they would have just held out just a little longer, they would have experienced some resurrection power. And this makes me think, my brothers and sisters, how many times have we given up on the brink of our miracle? I wonder how many times we have walked away from God before, right before God has given us our breakthrough in our situation. I wonder how many of us have thrown in the towel right before God was about to move in our situation. 
The old folks used to preach that God is always on time. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. When you give your life to the Lord and you begin to follow the ways of Jesus, one of the first spiritual disciplines we must learn to develop is waiting on God. That's one of the first spiritual uh, disciplines that we must develop is waiting on God. In Psalms 27, verse 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. One of the first, first spiritual disciplines we need to learn as we begin to follow Jesus. When you make a commitment, I'm going to follow Jesus. One of the first things that God does is he puts you in the waiting room. He puts you in the waiting room. And no one likes the waiting room, especially at the doctor's office. You go in that waiting room, you don't want to touch nothing. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord. Psalms 37 verse 14 says, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Keep his way. In other words, stay focused on what he's called you to do. Don't veer off. Don't be distracted. The world's going to try to distract you. People are going to try to distract you. And they're going to dangle carrots in front of you and say, don't wait for God. Come and get this. Come and do that. And God's spirit is telling us today, learn to wait on him and keep his ways. And in his season, he will exalt you to inherit the land. In his time. But we must learn to wait on the Lord. These brothers, if they would have just waited a couple more, maybe even minutes, they could have experienced some resurrection power. When I think about waiting on the Lord, I think of my, my wife, Laura. I think about how um, we met when we were about 13 years old. And I think about how um, I was arrested at the age of 16 years old and I was tried as an adult and I was sentenced to life in prison. And I think about how a little bit after I was arrested, God gave my wife back, who then was my girlfriend, gave her a dream. And in the dream, God showed her our future. And in the dream, God showed her our kids. And in the dream, God showed her our struggle and our path to climb up the backside of the mountain. But in the dream, God showed her the top of the mountain and the future that God was going to do. And in that dream, God showed her the blessing that was to come. And Laura, by the grace of God waited 16 years for the fulfillment of that dream. 16 years. She didn't wait on me. She didn't wait on me, but she was waiting on God to fulfill the promise that he gave her. And what you saw today with Nathaniel, her son, Quoting the scripture of the Lord, what you witnessed today was a fulfillment of that dream that God gave her years ago that she had to wait 16 years for. Listen, someone needs to be encouraged today. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't get distracted. Don't veer off. Don't rush into that relationship. Don't rush into that opportunity. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And in his time, he will exalt you. Someone shout amen. The second thing that I see in this story that we could learn from is don't walk away from where God is moving. Don't walk away from where God is moving. Now, in verse 13, it says, And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about, get this, seven miles, get this, from Jerusalem. So I want you to notice where they were walking. They were walking seven miles from 
Jerusalem. Someone say Jerusalem. Now let's think about that for a second because Jerusalem at this time was the epic center of God's activity. Jerusalem is where Jesus' ministry of healing and deliverance was centered in. Jerusalem was the place of Jesus' resurrection. Jerusalem was the place where the apostles were gathered. And Jerusalem was the place that the Lord was going to send his Holy Spirit. But somehow Satan gets these disciples to walk away from where God is moving. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Their, their discouragement moves them away from where God is working. They're, they're, they're walking away from where the other believers are. They're, they're walking away from where God is going to send the Holy Spirit. They're, they're walking away from where God is moving. Listen, if I get anything out of that, I get that part of Satan's strategy is to get us to walk away from where God is moving. If I get anything out of that. As I, would, as I begin to think about this, I, I recognize that God is moving in different parts of the world today. That's for sure. But one thing I know is that God is also moving at Chapel of Change. One thing I know, God is moving at Chapel of Change. I can't explain it to you, but since around 10 years ago, when we launched the church here, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to move upon us, and people begin to repent, and people begin to cry out to the Lord, and stories upon stories of people receiving the power from God at Chapel of Change, and I know that God is moving in different places of the world, and I acknowledge that, but I know for sure that God is working here at chapel of change god is moving here god is moving in our men's ministry kingsmen any kingsmen in the house god is moving this is a picture of one of our discipleship groups where men are pressing in to the kingdom of god Men are pressing into the kingdom of God. I, I heard a, a testimony not too long ago of a brother who, who, who was living in Arizona, uh, but he came down here. He, he grew up here, but he moved to Arizona, and he came down here about a month ago, and God touched his heart right here at this uh, service. And about two weeks ago, I learned from somebody else that that brother moved from Arizona and moved back down here, and this morning he was here setting up for sunrise service. You know why because God is working in the men's heart here at Chapel of Change and I'll also declare that God is moving in the women's ministry abide ministry too God is moving with the sisters here at Chapel of Change. We see it in Sister Esperanza's uh, life. You heard about what God is doing if God can restore that sister he could restore anybody God is moving in our women's ministry, under the leadership of Pastor Sandy Lopez, God is using her to inspire women to press in. And as I said this morning at the 6 a.m. service, sisters, it's time for you to step up and take your rightful place in the kingdom of God. God is moving in our young adult ministry, too. I want to show you a picture of one, uh, one of our young adult groups. They, on their own, are one of our young adult groups, they set out to go to the mountains and pray and worship and seek the Lord. Listen, on their own. Hello, somebody. They could have been partying somewhere, but they, instead they, they went to go seek the Lord. God is moving at Chapel of Change. God is also moving in our youth ministry as well. God is moving with our teenagers here at Chapel of Change under the leadership of Brian and Ter Teresa uh, Castillo. God has just brought them down from the mountaintop and planting seeds in our youth's heart. you just seen Nathaniel quote an entire chapter of the Bible. And I'm also here to declare that God is moving in our children's ministry as well. 
God is moving in our children's ministry. As I mentioned this, this, this morning at our Good Friday service, as I was preaching, I gave an altar call for whoever wants to surrender to, to the Lord. And to my surprise, an eight-year-old boy named Michael stood up and surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is moving here at Chapel of Change. His grandma told him, he said, Michael, you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? And, she, and he said, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm surrendering to Jesus. There's special power where God moves. There's special power. There's, there's hope where God moves. There's faith where God moves. There's, there's joy where God moves. There's restoration where God moves. I'm here to share with somebody today that God has called you back to the house of the Lord because he's moving here. And he wants you to get plugged in. Don't walk away from where God is moving. The third thing that I see here in this story on how do we position our life for a comeback is we need to watch our words. Watch your words. In verse 17, it says, uh, Jesus asked them as he was standing beside them and they're walking down the road. He, Jesus is kind of ear hustling in their conversation. Jesus is kind of eavesdropping into their conversation. They don't realize it's Jesus. And all of a sudden in verse 17, he asked them, he says, man, what are you guys talking about? Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now listen, whenever God asks you a question, the answer is not for God because God knows everything. Whenever God asks you a question, the answer is for you to pause and to think about what he's trying to draw out of you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? Not because he didn't know what they were talking about, but because he wanted them to pause and to think about their fearful and doubtful words. Listen, if we're going to experience a comeback in life, we need to watch our words. Is Jesus shocked by what you're saying in the midst of your setback? Is Jesus shocked by your words of doubt and fear uh, uh, and disbelief? Are you, are you spewing out doubt and fear? Or are you speaking faith and love in the midst of your storm? I want to remind somebody this morning that words carry power. Words can keep you down or words can speed you up. Words have the power to affect your reality. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Words affect your faith. Words affect our attitude. Words work for you or they work against you. God says in Proverbs 13, 3, he says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? If you need to come back in your marriage, watch your words. If you need to come back at your work, watch your words. If you need to come back in life, watch your words, and I'll take you even deeper. Be careful about what you say to yourself. I'll take you even deeper. Be careful. Watch the words you say to yourself. Everybody has self-talk. Everybody has self-talk. And if we could talk like family, no one is as cruel to you as you are to yourself. No one is as cruel to you as you are to yourself. No one has lied to you as you have lied to yourself. No one has been mean to you as you have been mean to yourself. And I would suspect if you allowed anybody else to talk to you the way you talk to yourself, you would sock them in the face. Am I the only one that has a voice? That at times says, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You messed up one too many times. Don't try that. Don't do that. You can't get up. You can't go back to it. Am I the only one that has that type of voice that feels like slapping myself sometimes? If you want to come back in life, you got to watch your words. The last thing that I would encourage us with today, if you want to come back in life, don't come to God with your hands out. Come to God with your hands up. The last thing I would encourage you today 
If you want to come back in life, don't come to God with your hands out. Come to God with your hands up. I want to point out something to you in the story that you may not see. But I want us to notice the root of their frustration and their discouragement. I want you to notice the root of their frustration and their discouragement. It's found in verse 21. Listen to what they reveal about themselves. Listen, because if you listen to someone long enough, they will reveal what's in their heart. Listen to what they reveal to themselves. This, in verse 21, they said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Notice, it says, we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. See, see, they weren't discouraged because God didn't do anything. No, no, no. They were discouraged because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. Did you catch that? They, they had their own expectations of Jesus. They came to God with their own plans. They, they, they came to God with their own list for God to do. Listen, they came to God with their hands out. They came to God with their hands out. They treated God like, like, like Uber Eats. They, they gave him a list and said, I want it delivered at my door at this particular time. They came to God with their hands out. But the Bible teaches you want to experience resurrection power. If you want to experience the power of God in your life. You better learn how to raise your hands up. You better learn how to raise your hands up. Lamentations 2.19 says, Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up to him my brothers and sisters we inflict ourselves with discouragement when we ask god to help us and then we turn around and tell him how to do it we inflict ourselves with frustration when we come to god with our list and we say god do this for me do that for me and if we can talk like family this morning listen you can't run from god and have your way and then run back to god and expect to have your way god says in psalms 140 134 he says lift up your hands lift up your hands listen god is here to help you god is here to deliver you but he's not going to do it on your own terms you got to come to god with your hands up this is the universal sign of surrender. This is the universal sign of surrender. Now, I know none of y'all ever had your house raided by the police, and don't look funny like you did, but I know none of y'all have it. But if you ever did, how do you come out that house? You come out with your hands up. You don't come out with your hands out, but with your hands up. You know why? When you come to God with your hands up, it is the place where God can work deeply in your life. Surrender is the place where God works best. Psalms 41 verse 1, uh, 41 says, Let my prayer be counted in incense before you and the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. The reason why some of us have walked away from God before is because we came to God the wrong way. We came to God with our hands out. And when the Lord didn't do what we expected him to do, just like these two brothers in the Bible, you know what we did? We kicked rocks. And we walked away from where God was moving. For some of you, that was another church. For some of you, that was a, just, just a place in your life. But maybe you have walked away from God because you grew frustrated because he didn't do what you expected him to do. The reality is, my brothers and sisters, I feel that we all come to God with our hands out. I know for one, when I came to the Lord at the age of uh, 18 years old in the L.A. County Jail, about to serve uh, my life sentence, I can confess to you right now, I came to God with my hands out. 
I said, Lord, I want to be free. Lord, I want to go home. Lord, I want to go back to my family. And, and I didn't realize it at that moment, but God was interested in my freedom. But guess what? He was interested in my spiritual freedom first. He was interested in my emotional freedom first. Yeah, he was interested in my physical freedom, but that wasn't the priority for him. Even though it was a priority for me, he was interested in my spiritual freedom. And through my commitment to him and through different, uh, you know, trials and phases of my life, as I walked with the Lord, he began to teach me, Brian, he began to teach me, move your hands from being out to being up. See, when you, when you lift your hands up to God, you're saying, Lord, Lord, I give you my dreams for your dreams. I give you my dreams for your dreams. And as I begin to learn to lift my hands up, God begin to give me his dreams. And now by his grace, I'm living out his dreams for my life. His dreams for my family. His dreams for my marriage. His dreams for my freedom. His dreams are better than my dreams. His dreams are better than your dreams. God says he's able to do overly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think. Don't settle for your dreams. Accept God's dreams for your life. But it comes through putting your hands up. And now, by the grace of God, some 30 years later after I was in that county jail, I can testify like Revelations 118. I can testify like Jesus. I, I have a similar testimony of Jesus because he reproduced it in my life because I learned to take my hand out and put it up. And I can testify like Jesus that I, that, that I was dead. I was dead, my, my mind was dead, my freedom was dead, uh, uh, emotionally I was dead, I was dead, but now look, now look, now look, now look, I'm alive, I'm alive. And this is what, this is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God, as you move your hand from being out to up, listen, God wants you to have the same testimony he wants you to be able to say hey hey my marriage was dead my marriage was dead i messed up my marriage was dead but now look it's alive it's alive he wants you to be have that testimony look look my son my daughter he was they were gone they were far messed up but look look they're they're alive now they're they're alive god wants you to have that testimony in your life but you gotta move your hands from out That's the power. That releases the resurrection power in our life. He is risen. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple of moments. Just for a couple of moments while everybody remains seated, with our heads bowed, our hearts bowed in the presence of the Lord, let us reflect upon the word of the Lord. Let us reflect upon what the Lord tried to tell us this morning. What was God saying? What was God trying to tell you? every head bowed and every eye closed maybe there's someone in the house this morning who through the preaching of the word you recognize that you started off wrong with God maybe you recognize that you started off wrong and now you understand where your frustration was maybe you're in the house today and you recognize that you came to God with your hands out 
now you recognize that that's not the posture that we are to have towards God but we are to have our hands up if there's anybody in the house today that wants to make a commitment to living out their Christian faith with their hands up that's the place of surrender that's where you say not my will but your will be done that's the place that says Lord I'm gonna serve you no matter what that's the place that says Lord even when I don't understand I'm gonna serve you even though I don't get my way I'm gonna worship you I'm not gonna walk away from where you're moving that's the place of surrender if there's somebody in the house this morning who wants to make that commitment to living your life your Christian life with your hands up I want to pray with you right where you're at just lead you in a simple prayer of commitment and surrender if that is you you want to live your life with your hands up towards God stand on your feet right now and I'll just lead you in a simple prayer If that is you stand up on your feet right now where you're where you're determined to say you're gonna rip up the list you're gonna rip up the list you're gonna rip up that list You're going to live a life of surrender, following after Jesus. And you're not going to be like these two brothers in the, in the Bible who walk away. But in turn, you're going to press into the things of God. You're going to press in. For those of you who stood up, I want to lead you in a simple prayer, and then I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. Say this prayer with me. Lord God, I come before you this morning ripping up my list. I confess my selfish motives. I confess them to you. And I ask that you forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. And today, I make a commitment to live in my life with my hands up. I surrender. I surrender my dreams. I surrender my aspirations. I surrender my goals. I surrender my life to you. Help me live this out help me to follow you no matter what I surrender in Jesus name let me pray for you father in the name of Jesus I pray for everybody who stood up I thank you for the courage and transparency of them standing up Lord God together we rip our list up father God and Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you fill them freshly with your Holy Spirit and resurrection power. I pray that you draw them closer to you. I pray, Father God, that you help them to cry out, Lord God, not my will, but your will be done. I pray that when they come to a fork in the road, Father God, and they come, Father God, and they see the world's ways and they see the kingdom's way, that they pick, they, they pick the kingdom way, Lord God. Bless them, Father. Help them, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone says, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I got the, this word, I believe it's from the Holy Spirit, rip the list. Rip the list. Rip the list. I don't know who that's for, but I'm just speaking it out. Your deliverance, your freedom is going to happen when you rip the list and you just surrender to the Lord in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Did you learn something this morning? Praise God.
If you're one of the ones who surrendered to the Lord, I really encourage you to get plugged into the church. You've got to get connected to the life of the church. There's uh, different groups that you could be a part of, but one of your next steps might be coming back to our midweek service on Thursday nights. Every Thursday, we have worship here at 715 and prayer. We have children's ministry and youth ministry. And so serving the Lord is about steps, one step at a time. You've come to Sunday, now take a next step to midweek. And how many know that every now and then we need a double dose of the Holy Ghost? Come on now, we need a double dose of the Holy Ghost. We're going to transition to worship our Lord through our uh, resurrection offering today. Uh, I want to call up the ushers forward. Uh, if you've been with us for the last month or so, you've been hearing about this resurrection offering where this weekend our church is giving a sacrificial offering over and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. I've been talking to you about this for about a month now. Today is the day um, that we give unto the Lord. And just to give you a little insight, um, my wife and I make this giving a spiritual exercise for our kids. We actually sit around the table. We actually sat around the table, I think it was Friday, and uh, I have a, a son, Nathaniel, a daughter, Sarah, and a daughter, Sophia, and uh, everybody kind of went to their piggy bank. And we sat at the table, and we prayed, and we talked about what we're gonna give, and every one of us as a family, we had a goal. Like we're gonna, we're gonna sacrifice X amount for the resurrection offering. And every one of us went around the table and pushed our sacrifice to the middle of the table. Why am I sharing this with you? Well, I'm giving you a window that we have to teach our kids to be generous givers. We gotta teach our kids to sacrifice, to live a life of sacrifice. And when they learn it as a little kid, they'll demonstrate it when they're older. You know why? They'll say, my, my mama taught me, or my daddy taught me, or my Theo taught me, or my Thea taught me. But it is a blessing, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we're going to prepare to give our resurrection offering. And as you know, this offering is going to our, our children's ministry. We're going to continue to build a spiritual foundation in the, the hearts of our kids. Now, there's many ways that you can give. Uh, you can give through an envelope that's in the back of your, your chair. Uh, after service, if you want to give through a debit card in the lobby, there's a table there. One of the sisters can help you give through a debit card. If there is a line... Be patient. Jesus waited for you. You could wait for Jesus. Hello, somebody. Someone say amen. Uh, if you want to give through your phone, uh, there's a phone number on our webpage that you text chapel to, and you can give through your phone right where you're at. If you want to give online, uh, chapelofchange.org. If you're watching right now and you've been blessed by this ministry, you want to give back to God, go to our webpage, chapelofchange.org. Hit the giving button, and uh, you can give that way couple announcements to make before we pray over the offering. We are going to have baptisms next week. So if you're not water baptized, sign up in the lobby uh, so you could be water baptized and take our class. And then we are going to be launching in the month of June. We're going to be launching eight weeks of discipleship groups. Now that means we're going to have about 30 or 40 different groups throughout the week. Some on Zoom, some on person, some just for ladies, some just for you, some just for men, some co-ed. And we're going to go over and discuss the sermon that is preached on the weekends. And it's a way to get connected to the church. It's a way to learn more and to grow more. It's going to start in June, but we're taking sign-ups all this month. So I want to encourage you to pray about and to think about joining an eight-week discipleship group. The list is in the lobby after service. You can go and see what days are available, whatever days fit you. But I know for one, uh, the Guzmans are going to have one on Friday night. Lift up your hands. Give it up for the Guzmans right there. 
they live in the city of Southgate. So they're going to have one on Friday nights. It's going to be co-ed. I know Pastor Martin and Mary are going to have one on Zoom in the mornings, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, I know that there's going to be different groups, but you shouldn't have no excuse because we're going to probably have one every day of the week. So get plugged in. Amen. So we're going to pray over the offering. We're going to collect the offering, and I'm going to come back and dismiss with a blessing. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ability to give. We worship you through this offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's give unto the Lord. up to the altar after we dismiss with a blessing if you need special prayer or someone to talk to our pastors will be at the altar available to minister to you but it's our tradition to close out with a blessing from the Lord if you're able let's lift up our hands unto the Lord and we'll close out with a blessing in the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love in the name of the Son who died that you can live in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers you with blessing and protection. May you go this week with the favor of God upon your life. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.